Well, good morning, OneChurch.tv. How you guys are doing? Also want to welcome everybody here in Theater 16. If you're hanging out in video, uh, the video theater in Video 15, guys, thank you guys for hanging out with us over there. If you're with us on Facebook Live, if you're listening to a podcast, if you're watching on an app, or if you're on Church Online, that's a mouthful, isn't it? Uh, there's a lot of different ways that you can connect here at OneChurch.tv, and we're so glad that you're here for the beginning of this new series we're calling Go Fish. You know, when Jesus invited uh, the first disciples uh, to follow him, Jesus made his agenda very, very clear. He said, you know what? If you follow me, I am going to make you into something. I'm going to make you something that you're not. And, you know, if you think about this with Jesus, I mean, him being the son of God, I would expect him to say, you know what, I, if you follow me, uh, then I'm going to make you more holy. If you follow me, I'm going to make you more disciplined because I, I want more discipline, right? And, and uh, I think he would be the per great person to give that to us. If you follow me, uh, I will make you a better husband. If you follow me, I will make you a, a better coworker, a better boss. If you follow me, I will make you maybe more rich. I mean, there's a lot of different things that I, want, I would want God to make me. But when Jesus showed up and called his four disciples, these first four disciples to follow him, he made his agenda very clear that I'm going to call you, I'm going to make you into something that you're currently not. That you're currently not. So uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, if you would go ahead and turn to Mark, uh, the Gospel of Mark. Um, the Gospel of Mark is really an easy book to find because it's Matthew, Mark. It's the second book in the New Testament. And uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is all about the story of anyone Jesus, exactly right. It's all about the story of Jesus. And Mark is the shortest of all of those four Gospels, and it's all about Jesus' story. So that's where we're going to be in. And uh, for the next few weeks of our series, Go Fish, we're going to essentially, what we're going to be finding out is simply this, that when Jesus called those first four disciples to follow me, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, he made his agenda very clear to them that if you follow me, I'm going to make you into something. And just as what's so crazy is just as he makes them into this something, his agenda for you and his agenda for me is still the same. And that's what we're going to be diving into today. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark. In uh, the Gospel of Mark, we're going to be in chapter 1. And let's just start digging into it about what Jesus is going to make us. It simply says this, after John was put into prison, now let me just stop here. The John that we're talking about here is Jesus's cousin, John the Baptist. A little bit different than Fred the Nazarene, all right? Anyway, that was a joke, by the way, because uh, I don't know a Fred the Nazarene. All right, uh, after John the Baptist was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee, so that's a, that's a region of Israel and Palestine, and this is what Jesus is doing. He's proclaiming the what? Good news of God. The good news of God. In fact, you, I, I used a word just a few minutes ago, the gospel. All that literally means is the good news of God. That's literally what that means. So Jesus is walking around, and he's preaching. He's teaching. You expect the Son of God to do something like that, right? And here is what he would preach. Verse 15, that the time has come, he said. In other words, 
all the Jewish people, they have been waiting for a Messiah. They have been waiting for a Messiah to come because they were under Roman rule and the Romans were mistreating them and they were waiting. Man, when this Messiah shows up, he is going to kick out the Romans and we're going to get our own land again and we're going to have our own power and own government. And they were going, hoo and they were getting so excited about this. And, and he says, the time has come. The time has come, and this is what it says. He said, for the kingdom of God is what? Near. It's not here yet, but the kingdom of God is really, really close. And for the Jewish people at the time, they were thinking, okay, great. He's going to run out the government, the Roman government, and we're going to set up Israel again. And then this is what he says. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent. Everybody say repent. Repent and believe the good news. Now, what does it mean to repent? That, the word repent in the Old Testament, repentance is what people did to prepare for God to do something. That, that's what it simply means. Repentance is, is actually preparing who you are in your heart and your life so that God can do something. God would say, listen, if you repent, then I'm going to change this. If you repent, I'm going to come back into the land. If you repent, I'm going to do something in you or do something for you. It was Repentance was always a precursor for God to do something. And Jesus uses this word repentance in kind of a similar way, but he also gives it a new little meaning, he says. He simply this says this, I want you to repent. That is, I want you to turn your heart and your affection and your attention back toward God. And when you do, when you do, you're going to be one of the few to recognize what God is up to. In other words, the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is near. God is about to do something. And if you don't get your heart and your life right, if you don't like wake up and keep your eyes open and focus, you might miss it. You might miss it. It's like this. I, I have never seen a meteor shower. How many of y'all, you've actually seen a meteor shower? Let me see your hands. All right, some of y'all. Yeah, every time, I know, hear me, I love, I love the stars. I love being outside. I, every time I hear, you know, on the news, hey, a meteor shower's coming at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, sweet, I'm going to see that. I've never got up to see a meteor shower right? I always have these great intentions of waking up at three o'clock and standing out in the cold and, and looking up at the stars, but it's never quite happened. Some of you have, and you actually showing up and being there, it didn't cause the meteor shower, but when the meteor shower happened, you witnessed it. You saw it. You saw something amazing. And it's in that idea, Jesus saying, I'm about to do something and if you don't wake up at 3 o'clock, if you don't keep your eyes open and fixated and focused, you're going to miss what I'm going to do. I think that's interesting. God is about to do something. Now, in this message, he is getting ready to talk to four guys. Look at what happened in verse 16. As Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, whom we later know as Peter, and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. <laughs> By the way, and if you don't know why they're casting a net to the lake, for they were what? Fishermen. Exactly right. So just in case you were wondering, well, why are they casting a net in the lake? Because they were fishermen, right? So they're fishing. So, and then look what verse 17 says. Jesus says, come, follow me, and I will make you 
more spiritual. I will make you more disciplined. I will make you more holy. I will make you a better person. I will make you so that you can understand the Bible. I will make you into, into this amazing thing. And we, I, I would put a lot of different things there. But Jesus didn't say any of those. He said something very specific that he was going to make them. And he says, you know what? I'm going to make you into something, and it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen immediately. But eventually, I'm going to make you, there it is on the screen, fishers of men. What? I mean, in Luke 5.10, the same story, uh, just in a different gospel, it simply says this. Jesus said, from now on, you're going to catch men. And the, the two of them, Simon and Andrew, must have thought, catch men? What Are we going to like scale them and put them on ice and sell them for $6? I mean, wh what are you talking about, Jesus? I mean, but look at their response, verse 18. At once... This is Luke, excuse me, Mark 1.18. At once, they left their nets and followed him. And can I just be the only one in the room that says, that sounds a little irresponsible, right? I mean, think about this. They're dead on this business. They're working for their dad. I'm sure the dad was thinking, you know what? One day I'm going to retire, and I'm going to give this business over to my boys, and they're going to have Peter and Andrew's fishing business, right? I paid for their college, and now, I mean, they're going to they're gonna take over for me. And then all of a sudden, this guy with a toga and some sandals comes by and says, hey, why don't you follow me? And they're like, see you, Dad. It's like, What? What in the world? Verse 19. And when we had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat <laughs> preparing their nets. Why? Because they were fishermen. All right, you guys are getting it. So verse 20. Without delay, he called them, and look at this, they left their father. Bye, Dad. Left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. And I don't think they had a clue what Jesus was talking about of what Jesus was going to make them. I, I, I don't think they really understood that. And But do you know what's so amazing this? Jesus says, I'm going to make you into fishers of men. And they didn't under, quite understand it. It may even have scared them a little bit. I mean, what does that even look like? But by the end of the New Testament, but definitely by the end of the book of Acts, that's exactly what they're doing. They are fishing for people. They are actually telling people about Jesus. They have learned to fish for men. They, have, they took the message that they heard from Jesus, and they used their own personalities that they had, and they influenced people to tell other people about the message that God is for them. And it wasn't enough just to follow Jesus. To follow was to fish. And that's our big idea today. It's not enough to follow. To follow is to fish. Can you say that with me? It's not enough to follow. To follow is to fish. Thank you, the two people who said that. I appreciate it. All right. It's not enough to follow. Jesus says, follow me. Great. You need to do that. But to follow Jesus means that you're going to be and become, that God is going to make you 
a fisher of men. And the first followers of Jesus didn't uh, really understand what that looked like. They probably didn't even want to be fishers of men. I mean, they just kind of, they followed Jesus, as we're going to see in a minute, out of purely selfish motives. And here we are halfway, though, around the world, 2,000 years later, and we're talking about these guys, these fishermen, because they learned, yeah, great to be able to cast a net in the water, but they really learned how to fish for people. And the church is now, I mean, millions, even billions of people now. That's just amazing that Jesus accomplished in their life exactly what he promised them, although they probably had no clue what it really meant to be a fisherman. And not just these four people. He made Peter, Andrew, James, and John, yes, fishers of men, but he also made prostitutes, fishers of men. He also, there was this one guy who had multiple demons living inside of him, and Jesus cast out the demons, and this guy became a fisher of people. You had, uh, uh, you had men, you had women, you had Pharisees, these religious people that kind of were, first were against Jesus, that they actually come to know Jesus Christ, and they start fishing for people. Uh, you have, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's funny how all of this happened because they stunk at it at first. They really did. You think about it. The disciples, right? Uh, the 12 disciples, Jesus said, you're going to fish for people, and they were awful at it. I mean, one time, Jesus gets all of these children together, and they're all kind of surrounding Jesus, and the disciples are like, oh, let's get these children out of here. Nobody wants to have all these children. It's all the, la- the crying and all this stuff. And, and Jesus is like, what are you doing? This was my sermon illustration. You just ruined what I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about how children are, 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 have great faith. And the disciples are like, oh, I'm sorry, Jesus. All right, bring the children back in here. All right, let them in here. And, and another time, uh, they uh, were, were going to cast out a demon, the 12 disciples were, and the d- demon wouldn't budge. And they came to Jesus, Jesus, this isn't working for us. And Jesus says, well, did you pray? Well, no. All right, we're going to pray. Let's chuck that down, right? I mean, they were awful at it. They were awful at their jobs. I mean, they were always sticking their foot in their mouths. They were doing dumb stuff. These guys were terrible at the beginning. But over the next three and a half years of hanging out with Jesus, by the end of their lives, they were using their influence. And God was using their personality and their circumstances and the good and the bad that they were experiencing. They were using their own circumstances and using the message that they had heard from Jesus and they would tell it to people and people were coming to know God. I love that. And guess what? His agenda for them 2,000 years ago is his agenda for you and his agenda for me. Because To follow is to fish. It's not enough to follow, but you must fish. Now, the interesting thing is that I'm going to talk just to the Christians in here. If you're not a Christian, you're off the hook for a few minutes, all right? If you're a Christian in here and you kind of follow Jesus, the reason why you follow Jesus had nothing to do with you wanting to become a fisher of men. All of us became followers of Jesus for purely selfish motives, right? I mean, I was, I was a kid. I grew up in church. And somebody set me down five and six years old and said, you know what? Uh, you're going you're gonna to spend eternity somewhere. You're going to live forever somewhere. It's either going to be heaven, which is good, or hell, which is bad. 
And you know what? I'm like, I think I want to go to heaven. You know, it didn't take a rocket surgeon to be able to say, you know what, I think I, whatever I need to do, if I need to pray a prayer, if I need to click my heels together three times, whatever I need to do, I want to go to heaven, right? And it wasn't because I was godly. It wasn't because, you know, I want to do something amazing for God. It really has everything to do because I didn't want to go to hell, right? It was a purely selfish reason. For some of you, for Christians. The reason why you became a Christian is because you were, you were addicted to something, maybe. Maybe your marriage was falling apart. Maybe uh, there was just, maybe things were going good in your life, but there was just no purpose in your life. And you're like, I think I'm going to become a Christian because I think God can give me purpose. And you know what? He can. And He can save your marriage. And He can break the addiction. And He will put you in heaven. But you know what? All of those are very selfish reasons. God, you know, I want, to become, I want to become more like you. I want to become a Christian because I need, my, my kids need help. And most kids that I've realized that need help, usually the parents need help. Anybody want to agree with that one? Just saying, just saying, all right? So whatever it is, I, I, I needed God to fix something in my life. And once you became a Christian, you realize, you know what? Things really are better off with Jesus, Right? Yes, there's heaven, and yes, he can break addictions. Yes, he can mend marriages. Yes, he can give you purpose. He can do all of that. But I, I just kind of like, okay, God, that's great. Gimme, gimme, gimme. And Lord, protect me, protect me, protect me. And bless me, bless me, bless me. And that's how most of us pray. Like, we pray for us. We pray for our kids. We pray for our marriages. And you know what, God? God is up in heaven. He's like, you know what? Because that interests you, that interests me. And I'm going to help you with your marriage. And I'm going to help you with your kids. And some of you, you're praying to get married, right? And God's like, okay, I'll help you with that. Some of you, like, you're praying to get out of your marriage, right? Some of you, you're praying to get remarried or maybe to get another marriage or maybe to get another marriage or maybe that whatever that looks like. And honestly, God is so gracious and so good. He listens to our prayers, but I wonder if he's ever up in heaven thinking, okay, I know that's interest you. Do you want to know what's really inter what interests me? And you see that song we just sang right before I got up? That's what interests God. It's the reckless love of God. It's leaving the 99 found to go after the one lost. You see, that's what God, what God wants us to focus on. But see, and again, if you're not a Christian here, you need to know this. We like being a Christian. We believe, you see, some of you think the reason why you became a Christian, uh, we became a Christian is because our guilt level just got way too high, right? And because I felt so guilty, I had to do something with my guilt. And for some of you, are like, hey, my guilt level just isn't there yet. I'm working on it, but I'm not there yet, right? Woo, right? Uh, listen, we became Christians not because we felt guilty. We became Christians because we like it. We actually like having a relationship with God. In fact, one of the things that we say here at OneChurch.tv is simply this, that Jesus makes you better, and he will make you better at life. Following Jesus will make you better, and he will make you better at life. It absolutely is. You see, becoming a Christian, having a relationship with Jesus is more than just getting to heaven. It makes your life better. But most of us, like Peter, Andrew, James, and John, we started following Jesus not because we wanted to become a fisher of men. We followed Jesus purely out of selfish motives because of what he did for us, because of what he can do for us. You know, it was the same way with these guys. 
We didn't read it in Mark, but I want to kind of read you the same story found in the book of Luke. And in this, uh, in this version, Mark left it out because he was just, he wants to be condensed. Luke actually gave them the reason why he said, hey, bye, dad, we're leaving to go follow the dude with the toga and the sandals. So this is what it says. Um, Jesus said to Simon, to my Peter, this is Luke chapter five, verse four, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and what? Haven't caught anything. How many of y'all, you would like fishing if you actually would catch something? I'm with you, right? It's just like, I, I took my boy a bing canoeing on the buffalo a couple days ago. And uh, we passed by a couple guys on the, uh, on the shore and they hadn't caught anything. I'm like, how's it going? We ain't caught anything, but it's still a good day because we're out here on the river. I'm like, oh, I got that. So, Peter, his job was a fisherman, and he hadn't caught anything. Now, back how they do it, they didn't use fishing poles. They used nets, and they would go in, at night because at night, that's when the fish would come up to the top to feed. So this is during the day. We're going to see it's about 11 o'clock during the day, and this is what Jesus is saying. Hey, listen, let's go, and let's go catch some fish. Let's go catch some fish. And so it's 11 o'clock in the morning, and Peter's like, listen, if we, go, if we go out now fishing, the only thing we'll go catch is a sunburn, right? This is not the time when you go fishing. But for some reason, Peter, maybe because he heard a free sermon or something like that, he's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll take you fishing. My gosh, this is ridiculous. So he gets in the boat. Peter gets in the boat. Andrew gets in the boat. Jesus gets in the boat, and they go fishing, verse 6. When they had done so, look at this, they caught such a what? Large number of fish that their nets began to what? Break. So they signaled the partners in the other boat. Hey, we need your help. James, John, come over here to help them. And they came and filled what? Not just one, but both boats so full, look at this, that the boats began to bloop, 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 sink. They fill up and catch so many fish. They get them in, they get in the boat. They've got so many fish, they can't even count them, much less clean them. And in verse Nine, it's a miracle. It says this. They were astonished by the catch of fish that they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Now look at this. As soon as this happened, what happens? Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to what? Catch men. There it is, peeps. So, I mean, don't worry. From now on, you're gonna, I'm going to make you into a fisher of men. And what else are they going to do, Right? Uh, it's like, nah, you go ahead and go. I, I, we got all these fish. We're going to clean them, and we'll talk to you later, Jesus. No, 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 no. Their dad is going, get out of here. Follow that guy. Fo I mean, he knows our business better than we know our business. I don't know what it means to be a fish or a man, but you need to go with him. We got the fish. We will clean the fish. You go and follow the Jewish carpenter. He knows our business better than we do because he just gave us this huge catch of fish. See, they didn't follow Jesus because they were spiritual. You see, you didn't follow Jesus because you were spiritual. I know y'all way too well from that, right? Because an average one church person is a Greek word that describes us. We're jacked up, right? We just are. We are messed up. We're messy. I get that. 
You see, they followed Jesus not because they wanted to make him more spiritual. They followed Jesus purely out of selfish reasons. And Jesus says, that's okay. That's totally fine. You're welcome to follow me out of selfish reasons. But know this, that there's going to come a time and a place where I'm going to use all of that mundane stuff that's happening in your life, the stuff that you're like, that you know, bless me and protect me and keep me and pray and uh, help me get a, a, a spouse, help my kids uh, get into this school, uh, help me get the promotion, help me get the job, whatever. All that mundane stuff that's really important to us, God is saying, listen, if you follow me, I'm going to make all of that stuff that's in your life, I'm going to use all of that so that you can fish for people. Isn't it true that most of the stuff that we pray for really is all about this life? Think about it. It is. It's all about what happens between birth and death for us. We pray that God would bless your marriage, but think about it. One day your marriage is going to end. Someone is going to pass away. You, you, dear God, protect my children, but one day that relationship is is going to end. Somebody is going to pass away. God, help me with my finances. That's a big one. But one day your financial world's going to come to an end because you can't take it with you when you die. Think about that. The thing that we have so much passion and pray so hard about, this, this stuff that happens in between birth and death. Oh, God, please, 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 please let this happen. and Please let me get the promotion and please let, fix this friendship. And please, all of that stuff is only important within the context of birth and death. None of it really has any eternal value on its own merit. It's all about the now and me and this life. But God is concerned, yes, about those things. He makes that clear, but he says this. Your heavenly Father has the potential to take all of that menial, temporary, temporal stuff that you're thinking about and we pray about now, that we're so concerned about and we give it eternal value if we allow him to make us a fisher of men. Because God is going to take, yeah, what am I going to major in and what am I going to buy and should I leash or should I sell or any of that stuff? Show me, show me, lead me, lead me, guide me, guide me. Yes, he's going to take all of that and he wants you to leverage it, whether or not uh, you're, you're married or not, single or not, whether or not you have kids or not, maybe you can't have kids, whatever it is, God wants to use whatever your circumstance and whatever your situation, he wants you to use that so that you can influence somebody else, so that you can become a fisher of men, because to follow is to fish. Isn't that interesting? I I think that God allows us to have friendships because friendships pave the way for influence, that you are uniquely positioned to impact someone. You are. And Jesus is saying, if you follow me, I want to leverage what is temporary in your life and the temporal for the sake of the eternal. Because you and I will continue to be perfectly positioned in your neighborhood, on your job, in your sphere of influence, in your family to fish. That is, that you're gonna, God's going to take your own personality and the life-changing message and that there's somebody who's going to listen to you who won't listen to me. Who just won't. Let me prove it to you. I can prove to you this way. Think about the person that God used to bring you into a relationship with God. Think about that person. Now, if you became a Christian as a child, think about the person that when you hit 18 or 20 or 30 and you kind of left faith and they brought you back. 
Think about the person or the group of people that God strategically placed to bring you in faith in Jesus. You see, here's what I know. There's three things about them. Uh, Number one, you had probably already heard the message before. No one in their 20s or 30s ever said, oh, I didn't know Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I mean, there are some of those out there, but for most of us, it wasn't a new message. But second, it wasn't simply the message. It was the messenger. Something about that person, something about their past, something about what was going on, something about their story, something about their personality, something about their achievements, something about that person combined, yes, with the message, combined with the circumstances you were going through. And when you put all three of those together, you began a relationship with Jesus. Let me give you an example. Um, There's a guy, uh, Ed Fox, man, uh, Ed, Ed Sabina, man, I love that couple. There are people here today. I saw Daniel Staten come in. The reason why he is here is because Ed, years ago, Ed was a guy who, who lived out his faith, who was a Christian. But Ed, you know what he loved doing? He loved paintball. He did. And he used, he leveraged paintball so that he could be able to tell other people about Jesus and show other people the life that he was living for Jesus. Daniel is here because of somebody like Ed. I love that. Um, I I think about the person who kind of brought me back to faith. His name was David Dabbs. Here's a picture of David and Chloe Dabbs. David, uh, he was my 10th grade Sunday school teacher. Let me tell you a little bit about me growing up. Again, I grew up in church. Um, most of my Sunday school teachers, how do I put this gently? They were, they were clueless. They were clueless. Uh, I would come in, and th- I'm not trying to break my arm, I'll pat myself on the back. I just, I was hungry to know about stuff. So before I turned, uh, before I got into my eighth grade year, I, before I got out of middle school, I had read the Bible through 12 times. And the reason why is because I just didn't know, was this stuff true? And I remember showing up on Sunday morning, and my Sunday school teachers, they wouldn't read their lesson from the night before. They wouldn't read it. They would just kind of come in and wing it. And oh, so I would come in, and I'm like, hey, so what about the people who didn't hear Jesus in Africa? You know, tell me about them. And they're going... And, uh, and tell me, hey, you kind of glossed over this passage here. Doesn't that contradict it? I mean, they hated me, all right? So I grew up in church, and I, I have questions. And let me just stop right here. If you have questions, we're not afraid of your questions. In fact, my phone number at halftime is on my screen, on the, on the screen up here, so that you can, guess what, texting questions, right? We might not have all the answers. In fact, I can tell you I don't. But the more I keep on learning, there it is, more I keep on learning, we want to have not just me talking to you, we want to have this as a conversation. But I would show up, go back to David and Chloe. I, so I, everybody, when I would show up to these Sunday school classes and you know we would promote, we just promoted our kids today here at One Church, I, I would go to the next class. Here's what the teachers were, oh, I've heard about you, Chris. Chris Edmondson, oh yeah. Your last year's Sunday school teacher told me about you. And I was just labeled. I mean, and hear me, I was, I, yeah, I was a handful. I still am. Let's just be honest. Let's tell the truth, shame the devil, right? Um, but I just showed up, and uh, man, David 
never labeled me. He just loved me very, very well. Him and Chloe, they had me in their house, and they, he would show up, and he would actually read the Bible beforehand. Oh, crazy. He would actually try to understand it. And David brought me to faith in Jesus, and it, I'd already heard the message. I could quote the verses. See, it wasn't just the message. It was him, the messenger, combined with the circumstances that I was going through, that, man, that God brought me back to faith in him. So whether you like it or not, whether you want to accept it or not, you and I will continue to be perfectly positioned by God wherever you're at and whatever your personality, whatever your hobbies are, to be able to God to use you to fish for people. And that's the purpose of this series. If you don't hear anything else, the purpose is simply this. If we're not thinking in those terms, we sleep through the meteor shower. If we're not thinking in those terms, we forget all about why we're really here. And it's all about me. And it's all about God bless me and protect me. And if I, am I doing good? And am I doing better? And gooder and gooder and better and better, whatever that looks like. And we're always just getting these hamster wheels. And God's like, you know what? I do care about you. But if, you're, if you don't care about what I care about, I'm willing to leave the 99 to go after the one. And honestly, that's the story of most churches today. Because we fight over stupid stuff, don't we? Idiotic, dumb stuff. Is this color of the carpet, is it mauve or is it purple? Number one, I have a problem that is purple. All right? Let's just, just stop right there. All right? My point is, it doesn't matter. You see, what really matters is people. It's not about a buildings. It's people. It's not about just a program. or the, It's about people. So followers fish. It's not enough to follow. You got to fish. And here's some of you are like, this is, okay, Chris, I'm too new at this. I just now found the book of Mark. Okay? Uh, so I can't do this. Let me, here's my, here's my understanding. This room gets filled up by people who are brand new to Jesus. If you have come to Jesus in the, in, the, in the past five years, new Christians, I found, reach new Christians. Honestly, when people who've been Christians for so long, we get spiritual constipation. We just do, all right? So let me just simply, I want to give you some homework, uh, and then we're going to close. Here's the homework. Are y'all ready to do some homework? Y'all about if I do this? Because school is coming back, all right? And it's non-threatening. It's very easy. You don't have to do it. Here's, here's your homework. I want you to go, and I want you to find 10 people, and I want you to say, I love you, and God loves you. I'm joking. I'm, doing <laughs> I'm just joking. You're like, I'm not doing that, right? That's a little, I'm just joking. All right. Here's the homework I want you to do. I want you to write a letter to the person who introduced you to Jesus. I'm not saying you have to send it. You can, but some of you can't because those people have already passed, passed on. But I want you to write, sit down this week and write a letter to the person who introduced you to Jesus. And the point of this exercise is two things. Number one, it's going to remind your, yourself that you were once fish, that we were all fish once. But it's also going to remind you of the incredible gratitude of the person who told you about Jesus. Somebody's life experience combined with the incredible message intersected with your circumstance, and you came to know Jesus. I sat down, and a couple weeks ago, I did this for David, David Dabbs. Let me read you the letter I wrote to him. 
Dear David, by the time I got into your 10th grade Sunday school class, most Christians had written me off. Growing up in the traditional church, much of what I observed just didn't make any sense and didn't line up with the Bible that everyone said that they read. What I found out is the leaders that, um, the leaders that I followed didn't really read the Bible much at all. Sunday school teachers would come in and hadn't read their Bible lesson and just kind of winged it, and I wanted to see why we do some of the silly things we do in church. So I read my Bible through 12 times before I reached eighth grade because of my asking questions and just regular middle school shenanigans. Every time I would go into a new class every school year, the teacher would say, oh, I've heard of you, Mr. Edmondson. People warned me about you, and they had written me off before ever really talking to me. All of my teachers did that, except for you, David, and your wife, Chloe. You taught my 10th grade Sunday school class. You were different. You actually read the Bible and, even more importantly, lived it out in such radical ways that got you in trouble with traditional religion. You spent your time telling people about Jesus, whether that was a homeless person, a prostitute on the street, or an obnoxious 10th grade kid that everyone else had written off. Thanks for sharing Jesus with me. And even more important, thanks for living out your faith in front of me, even when it cost you so very much. You know, when I wrote that, I was bawling my eyes out. Because here's a guy who's still alive, a lot of times when I go get my haircut, I see him there, and I just, every time I just lean hard into him, and he's an ex-Marine, and he, uh, he loves Jesus. And even more importantly, he loved me towards Jesus. Here's what I want, church, for you. I want you to experience what that feels like. I, my prayer, dare I be so bold, is that somebody one day would sit down and write a letter to you and say, thank you for introducing me to Jesus. As your pastor, I want that for you so badly. You see, there are opportunities all around us that I continue to pray for and that we are praying for that God would do some amazing things. An opportunity like we had this past week, if you missed it, this past Tuesday, we closed on our permanent location on 1955 Madison Street. Um, and we had a time of prayer uh, out there this past Tuesday night. And uh, I, I want to kind of show you this video, but uh, the video, what's so cool about this video is God is giving us more opportunities to tell people, you know what? Jesus is for you. And you know what? God is going to make you and make you and make you. And no, you're not there yet. And no, I know you got, he's going to make us all to become fishers of men. Why? Because to follow is to fish. Watch this video.